0: Welcome to episode 245 of the 200 Churches Podcast.
1: There's a buzzword in Christianity today that I'm actually really glad it's there, of the hospitality. I don't think a single restaurant should ever outdo a church in hospitality. So really, like, Christian hospitality should be synonymous, I think. It should be just who we are. Welcome to the 200 Churches Podcast, where every Wednesday we produce a fresh episode of ministry encouragement for pastors of small churches. Now here are two guys who, like you, serve in the trenches of small church ministry. The Barnum and Bailey of ministry podcasts,
0: Jeff and
2: Johnny. This is the 200 Churches Podcast. I am Johnny Craig, and, and I can't even see your face today. Johnny, What's it's going dark.
0: on? It's because it's so dark, and it's just the way it is. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> welcome to the Two Hundred Churches podcast. My name is Jeff Katie I'm here with my good friend Johnny Craig. Johnny, how That's are you? That's right. Tonight? I'm doing pretty good, man. It's it's been a it's been a day. It's been a
2: weekend, but I'm here. I'm alive, and I'm uh, ready to go for this episode.
0: Excellent, excellent. Me too. Hey, I'm in my new uh, my new office, my new home office slash. Podcast studio. I can't wait for you to join me. The empty black leather chair sits across from me.
2: I look forward to that day with great hope.
0: <laughs> well this this has been a rough couple weeks because you know i'm i've been i've been completely scattered and oh, yeah. my focus has been completely gone because I just finished uh, my first three weeks at, at my new church and I'm yep. in my fourth week and so things I could feel them starting to settle down. Which is good, and that means that uh, we're going to be able to have a little more focus together on the podcast and get into a groove, because this is a new groove for us.
2: It really is. It's, we are no longer um, across the way from each other. Once upon a time, you you could call me at 11 o'clock at night, and I could just come over, and we could do some recording, and we could have one of these ready for the morning.
0: Yeah, it was really nice when you were so close, and uh, but but, that, but that's not the case anymore. We're moving in on five years, and Johnny, I feel like at the five-year mark, we're going to have to make a significant shift to the new times, the new day, the new age that we're in. And yes. not, not reinvent 200 churches, but, but reinvent our approach to encouraging pastors of small churches. You know, you do, you do things the same all over and over and over. And after a while, ah. you get tired of it. I just want to make sure that we're fresh, that we're doing it. We're doing it in a way that other people are not presenting ministry encouragement to pastors of small churches, because there there are more podcasts now. There are more people out there that are encouraging small churches, and I'm glad for that, and we need that, and we just need to be on the cutting edge of that, and I want to be.
2: Yeah. Often imitated, never duplicated. That's how the 200 Churches podcast goes. That's A-OK. That's <laughs> well, <a okay. laughs>
0: well, I've been so scattered, I feel like I've been imitating it for the last two, three weeks, and so uh, today you talk to your buddy, Sam Prowitz. And yeah, it's been, I don't know what, when he was on last, it's been a couple of years since he was, it, on.
2: It, yeah, it's been a long time. We talked about that right at the beginning of this conversation that once upon a time, a million years ago, <laughs> Sam was on the podcast with us. You know, Sam's church is doing really cool things. They are in Ripon, Wisconsin, which he'll talk about a little bit. It's just a small town in Wisconsin and their church is really it's really thriving and growing and he says i think he gives a lot of the credit for that to the fact that they are creating welcoming environments that they are doing hospitality really really well and i'm afraid that sometimes that's something we don't think about in small churches we we assume that everything is good enough but we're not really thinking about our hospitality.
0: That's interesting because for me being in a church now if I just finished my first four Sundays and I've noticed the kind of a mood I try to create on a Sunday morning both you know in the lobby one on one with people and then publicly you know from the platform what kind of a tone do you want to set and and you don't want to set the circus clown tone but you also right. don't want to set the the you know my seventh grade science teacher uh, tone <laughs> either, right?
2: Or welcome to the funeral. Yeah, you don't want that,
0: right? Right. So somewhere between funeral and circus, right? We 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 <laughs> we, we s- sweet spot. set this welcoming tone. Uh, but but it's true, and I you know I was thinking, Johnny, as you talked about hospitality and and setting uh, setting the environment in your church through public presentation as well as private encounters. Uh, I was thinking that hey, if if you as a pastor don't have, and now let me just say it like this, don't have it, have a natural, outgoing, contagious personality, inviting personality. Maybe you're a little bit more serious, a little bit more cerebral, a little bit more introverted. That's fine, sure. but find those people with that giftedness and have them do the welcome uh, in your church, the call to worship maybe, or even just the greeting time, the announcements, have them do yeah. those types of things because then, you know, when you get up, you'll have from one end to the other, and you'll engage all of the different personalities in your church on a Sunday morning or afternoon, whenever you meet.
2: Having a linchpin person is something that Sam and I talk a little bit about. And as we talked, I wish that you could have been there, Jeff, because I was thinking about your old buddy Jeff. He was a greeter, an usher in your church oh, yeah, once Jeff. upon a time. Yes, yep, Jeff, and uh, <laughs> he was Mister. Everybody knew Jeff, right? Everybody was there and feeling welcomed by this guy. And I thought about that story that you've told about that guy and how uh, the person doesn't have to be like the king of the world to be the best greeter in your church, right, right? Right. I mean, Jeff, when he was starting to greet in your church, this will curl some toes probably if I admit it, but he wasn't a part of the
0: faith. He was, right? not, he was not a believer, but I'll tell you what, he was happier and friendlier than all the believers. <laughs> <laughs> Figure that out. You know how does that work? Oh, so, so you had Jeff, you had Jeff Gladhand and people at the front door. We did. which I
2: think is great. So find the right person. That's a huge piece of it, and, and Sam talks about that as well because. That is, that's a huge, huge piece of it.
0: That is, that is going to curl some pastors' toes. You know, find the right I know, person, I know. and they don't even have to be a Christian. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, it sounds terrible. It, it, it does, but in this case, just the greeting part. This guy was coming to the church. He was starting. He he had started to belong, and he he felt right. like he belonged, and he did belong because we cared about him, we loved him, and he wanted to contribute. He wanted to help. So we yep. said, Jeff, we've got these bulletins. You you just want to pass them out at the door and, and greet people. He took that on like a mission, and he made people so happy they came to church that day and yeah, yeah it's it's very strange you you don 't often have that, but sure. we, we have sure. i I'm, that I'm case. talking
2: about a crazy scenario, but yeah
0: yeah but, but hey i'm sure with all the pastors that listen, somebody out there you've got a church where uh you 've got people men or women who are very, very friendly, very outgoing. Man put him to work in that kind of a case. that guy ended up coming to faith in Christ and being yeah. there for uh, until he until they moved out of the area, he and his wife were there in the church and they grew in their faith and that was for him a place where he belonged before he believed yeah. and that yeah, was yeah. really That's cool perfect. so you yeah. so you and Sam talk about hospitality creating a a warm, inviting atmosphere. Of course, I think that, you know, what follows up that warm and inviting atmosphere? You know, the the smells are good coming into the kitchen, but then how does the food taste, right?
2: (laughs) Sure, absolutely. That's right. I would agree with that, Jeff. If if it smells good, but it tastes better bad you know you're out of luck so we're talking about setting the table right now we're assuming that you're serving good food <laughs> at your church yes. okay we believe in you pastor we believe that that you're doing good work and uh and but setting the table is important and so that's what sam and i get into here and i hope that it, it's pretty practical and i hope that something here can help you as you get ready maybe to make some changes in your church so let's get out of the way this is my conversation with sam Sam, I tell you what. Uh, how long have we known each other? Five, six, seven years. It's got to be something close to that. That's I think it was 2011. Those yeah, six years. Six years. That's that's crazy, dude. I talked to like one person from seminary, and it's you. So everybody else, if you're listening and you were from uh, my seminary, I'm so I still love you. But I have a lot of kids and not enough time in the day. So, but Sam, you are always a go-to for me when I need a word of encouragement or a sounding board. Actually, sometimes I feel bad like I call Sam when I need something. I never call him just to say, "Hey, how are the kids?" So, I'm a bad friend. That's it's confessional, but I'm glad that you're hanging out with me today.
1: It's my pleasure. Man. Thanks for having
2: me. So you've been on before, one other time on our podcast, and you talked about ministry transitions, if I'm remembering correctly. And it was uh, it was a good time, had by all. That was a million years ago. We've lived a lot yeah. of life since then. Um, but I'm thankful that you came back today. So for people who have heard your voice, maybe because they've listened to the podcast, but don't remember your story, can you reintroduce yourself? Hit the, hit the high points of who is Sam Prowitz?
1: Sure. Um, my name's Sam Browitz. Uh I live in Ripon, Wisconsin. Uh, I pastor at a Church in Ripon, Wisconsin. Uh, we have about a small town, about seven thousand people, uh, but kind of an odd place, or a crazy place, where we have, on an average, about six hundred some people here every weekend. weekend. Um, a couple weekends ago, we had eight hundred fifty people here at an event, and it's even bigger. So we have about ten percent of the community involved in our church and I am the Cybership Pastor here. I also run a Saturday night service. So we have uh, four services all weekend. We have a small old building that we renovated into a kind of contemporary place that's got all the old stuff. That's kind of fun, but we have four services. I run the Saturday night one. We have all those fun things. In addition to the ministry stuff, I've got two kids at home, two crazy boys, and my wife Meg, and yeah, that's pretty much
2: so Ripon Wisconsin, little town, 7,000 people and you you've got like 10% of the congreg- or community size at your church, which is crazy, that's crazy cool and they've entrusted you with Saturday night service. So, you've got you've got your finger on the pulse of what's going on. And Sam, what I wanted to talk to you about and what you and I have talked a little bit about recently as I'm coming into a new church and trying to figure some things out, is this idea of creating a welcoming environment, hospitality, environment, culture, those kinds of questions. And this is something that your church takes very, very seriously. Can you take us to like the genesis of when you started thinking about these things?
1: I don't think I can take you to the beginning of it because I I think it's literally always been that way. Um, The church was planted 15 years ago, we just celebrated 15 years as a church. So 15 years ago, um, I wasn't here, um, but our lead pastor kind of set a culture. Uh, One of the introductory lines or uh, ways of getting people to check out the church for the first time was, are you turned off by God or by church, but not by God? Uh, And it's, I don't know, it sounds like like kind of a corny phrase, but 15 years ago, I think that resonated. I think it it still does today um, because I think it, it, helps break down the walls yeah so for me as as I, I entered um i started interning here a couple of summers while i was in college and then came into a youth pastor role and all those kinds of things it's just kind of been been the deal and you just always are welcoming you no matter what the person is or who they are they deserve to be said, um said hello to not in a weird way where they're going to be pushed away, but in a, a very genuine, like, you care, care about those people. So it's kind of been in our DNA since the beginning where those doors um, deserves every last bit of our attention and our our honoring Yeah, way of talking. I know that sounds – you don't use that language here, but that's kind of what it is. We try to honor everybody that comes to those doors. And then we talk about it hmm. uh, from stage, uh, from emails that go out, from – the uh, different types of things we do for promotional materials. Uh, we, we talk about who we are. And we talk. We say things like there's no glass ceiling here. You can be part of anything. You can read anything. Uh, there is no uh, questions that are off limits. You can ask anything here. We say that all the time, and it's yeah. true. You can ask any. And we, we talk about how uh, – we'll often say, do this one thing. It's not really often, but once or twice a year – It'll happen where we'll have people raise hands in a service and, like, hey, how many of you have been here for 10 years, five years, three years, and we'll stop there because we don't want to go too well. But we'll do that, and what happens is people realize that there's so many people around them that are new to the church. So they're not – there's no insider. And I think that's really important because I think you can walk into a church and very quickly, even when – Everybody else feels the same way. So breaking down those kinds of laws is super important. I'm just saying it. So that's a few things I'm trying to think. Is there anything else you want to – we talked about that you wanted me to go into specifically? Well,
2: I am interested – I'm very interested in this whole um, idea of talking about it um, because I think a lot of pastors and a lot of churches feel like you have to handle the idea of visitors with kids' gloves. And especially, I think, in smaller churches – where maybe a visitor is a rarity, okay? You you want to be so cautious. And, so, you know, it's like delicate china. And if you breathe on the visitor in the wrong way, then you might lose the opportunity to get them. So I want you to just talk about, what you know, what is the value in actually talking about these things from the platform? And how have you seen the benefit of that in the church?
1: Awesome. I'm going to start actually somewhere else and then get back to that. You reminded me of something. Um, We have a a person who's on staff as a pastoral care person, Uh, but even before he was there, he's he's one of the first elders of the church or the first leadership team members. Uh, And that's because he was willing to serve and do anything. The guy has this gift of being the friendliest, most kind, most welcoming person on the planet.
2: Okay. He
1: has done more for this church as people being part of the church than anybody else has in the 15 years. I mean, Obviously, Lee Pastor did a bunch, and a bunch of people have done so much. But this guy just makes people feel welcome. They walk in, and they uh, feel super welcome. They get a hug. They get a hello. The guy makes them feel like they matter. He, he looks in the nice. eyes. He's one of most sincere people you'll ever meet. Uh, and he's at the front door every week, and that makes a huge difference. And why I started there is we often have people tell faith stories or just Maybe we'll do little videos of blurbs of what people think about um, church or how God's affected their lives or, or history here. When you do that sort of thing, you don't even have to nurse it out of people. It just comes out. Uh, people will just talk about how they feel so welcome. They walk in the door and they'll mention this person by name almost every time. Barry, as uh, the guy's name, uh, Welcome me and I, immediately I felt welcome. And so, two things are there. One is you got to use your people. That's like the number one priority when you're thinking about welcoming stuff at your church. Who's at the front door? Hmm. Because that first moment matters so much, and you should put tons of effort into getting the right volunteer in that role. Tons of effort. First welcome is at least a good smile and handshake. Uh, That first touch, if you miss that, it, it really. Messes things up, I think, and you've already you're already um, biking uphill. Uh, but the other thing of that is is talk about it. Have people share their stories. Um, what this church? Why are you here? Those things are important because sometimes the new visitor is, is is just showing up to check it out, and they want a reason to feel comfortable and safe there, and. When other people talk about their own experiences and why they're there, there's a lot of reasons there that they can adopt for themselves of why it's comfortable and safe there and they can start to plug in. Sometimes you just need words to it. Things, and if other people put words to it for you, you can adopt that for yourself and really experience it. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, absolutely. That does make a lot of sense. Um, I I'm sitting here wondering what kind of... I mean, you've given some examples, right? But what kind of feedback you're getting from people that helps you know to continue doing what you're doing, right? Like, is this a feedback-driven process? Like, well, we've, people say that they, you know, have connected because of these things, so let's augment these things? Or, I mean, how, how do you develop practices?
1: There's a buzzword in Christianity today that I'm actually really glad it's there, of the hospitality. I don't think a single restaurant... Should ever outdo a church in hospitality. So, really, like, Christian and hospitality should be synonymous, I think. It should be just who we are. So, we, we talk about that a little bit, but then also as a staff and as, as people that are pastors here, like, there's a, there's a level of hospitality we expect and be better than anywhere else.
2: Yeah.
1: Welcome, walk in the door. If you don't get a free cup of coffee or if you don't get something that's good, then you, how can be good? How can, if you're not putting effort into that, um, how can anything else be good? So the, that's how it, it has to be better than any place else because we're we're representing Jesus. If you don't feel welcomed here, that that's that's absurd. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe that's answering your question for measurable stuff, but I think I don't think you're going to get very good qualitative data from your congregation. I think you should measure yourself on who's doing hospitality better than you and how you can rise to that level.
2: For the people listening, I'm going to say that again. You're not measuring yourself against yourself. Go into your community and where is the best hospitality, right? What? And I'm not talking about other churches, yeah. right? I'm talking about your, what you're talking about is hotels, restaurants you know, wherever people are going and gathering, what, and think of your own experience. Okay. You've been someplace, you've been to restaurants with good service and bad service that created a hospitable atmosphere. And then those that didn't and ask yourself those kinds of questions. Now, Sam, I'm going to put you on the spot. You ready? You say you've got you've got the man with the plan standing there at the front door, Mr. Hospitality. We have that at my church as well. His lar- name is Larry Madol and he is a saint sent from heaven to make people feel welcome to church. It is beautiful and you can't I mean you just can't build them like that. But what do you say to the pastor yeah. who does not have that guy or that woman at the front door and instead has somebody who is uh, maybe not the person <laughs> you'd want greeting. You know what I'm saying? How do how how would you yeah. counsel a pastor in that kind of a scenario? Yeah, what you know? How would you guide them?
1: As hard as it is to say, there's what phrases that don't let the wagon the don't put the wagon in front of the horse. Yeah. Um, if a person is there and they're not doing a a, a job, you have to have that conversation. You literally have to say, John, or since John, you're talking to Johnny, I I know you love being in front here, but if you're going you're to be standing here greeting people, smile on <laughs> your face, or you can't be here. <laughs> yeah. You're going to go greeting people. But, but we're wanting people to feel welcomed, and if you're not willing to make people feel welcomed, then we just can't have you here. Let's, let's put you to work somewhere else. And I know that's harsh, but let's just be real. I want to be welcomed by you. <laughs> I know that sounds really harsh. No, I, but yeah. uh, And then also like, I think it's, it's really valuable for us to model it. There is rarely a service that goes by when I don't go up to somebody and introduce myself or talk to somebody who I met recently in recent weeks um, and say, ask how they're doing, say them by name uh, and those kinds of things because It just goes a long way in feeling like you're welcome and knowing that you matter. They're the ones that are going to, for being the next thing you're doing, they're the ones who are going to get excited. They're the ones who are going to want to serve. They're the ones who you can have the biggest impact on. People that have been there for 10 years, they're there for 10 years and it's very unlikely that they're going to change much. But those new people, if you can yourself be that welcoming force and, my, my line is, hey, I'm Sam. How long have you been coming here? I don't know if I've met you yet. Some variation of that. Yeah. Um, don't ask if it's their first time, because it maybe wasn't, and now you've just offended them. Um, I like to say I'm Sam. I'm not Pastor Sam. Sure. Uh, I like to say I'm Sam. I'm one of the pastors here, I'm a pastor here, a pastor here. And um, suddenly you're on their level. You're just a normal human being who wants to follow Jesus, and they're welcome to be there doing it with you. And that is so much more um, relatable and uh, easier to access, I think.
2: That's great. Uh, I'm going to ask you a weird question. And I'm asking this because of an article that I recently read uh, about 10 things that people complain about when they visit new churches. Okay? Do you have a welcome and greeting okay. time? Do you have a turn around and shake hands with your neighbor time?
1: no. Never. Uh, <laughs> I think I've done it once. I was told that we, we can do it once, but we can't do it again.
2: <laughs> wow. Okay. That's good. We have that here at our church. And it's, yeah, it's, that's very interesting. Maybe it's time to kill the welcome and greeting at our church. I don't know. T- tell me why. You say no. You say no. You yeah. had it once and you got rid of it. Tell me Tell me the why. What's behind that?
1: I think it's already really scary for somebody to walk into the church. and. I think the welcome and greeting time does two things immediately. One, it, uh, it gives people a chance to talk to people they already know because that's who they're most likely to talk to.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it makes anybody who's new feel like, and what if nobody talks to them? I mean, that, that happens more often than not when, when I've been in that situation. Literally, I, I visited a church a few months back, and a couple people just said the normal, like, hi. And that's all fine and good, but much better is the after or before the service, someone coming up to them and saying, Hi, I'm so-and-so. How long have you been coming here? It's natural. It's real. It's not trying to put on a show or going to uh, force something. That little time for an extrovert is great, but for anybody else, it's the scariest thing in the world and just sounds terrible.
2: Do you train people to to wander and roam after the service and introduce themselves to people? Like, do you, is that a hospitality role that you guys have?
1: A little bit. It's not super formal. Uh, What we'll often do, or what I'll often do, is if I meet somebody uh, and there are certain age, kids, or they just moved here or whatever, and I think that there's somebody. Who would be a very safe person for them to talk to and feel welcomed by and excited to meet here? I will go and ask them to introduce themselves.
2: Yeah,
1: and that two things: it's training for that person to like kind of step out in their faith and be a little bit vulnerable. It's good for them to do that, Uh, but then it's also just a much more um, natural thing. It's kind of just introducing people, like, "Hey, you should meet so and so," right? Taking them there to do that.
2: So, here's here's another question. I'm I'm seeing more and more of these like get to know the pastor or ask the pastor anything. And it's like a little after the service get together, kind of try to make it informal and fun, serve some donuts or whatever. Do you guys do anything like that?
1: We have in the past, in the first like 5 to 7 years, we had uh pie with the pastor. Um <laughs> to sign up and go in his house, his wife makes him fly, and he, like, is a obsessed with pie, so it's not working <laughs> Um It was fun. Like, it, it was a good thing. Uh, we eventually got so um, too big for that, where it was normal. People went to it. People would show up. Um, so I think any chance you can have to have a personal connection with the person you're listening to on stage, uh, is a big deal. I, I don't think it's meant to... I think it actually does the opposite of make these superstar people. Like, I don't think you want to go that direction. In reality, something like that, if done right, humanizes them, makes them more normal, and then that way, um, accessible, and you'll listen to them. So you respect them, and they're a nice person, and they like pizza too, or whatever. I think that can be helpful, but I'm wary of it uh, as like a gimmick. I don't know. I, I try to get on that kind of stuff. I never ever want to come across as being or like bait and switching. And sometimes those can seem that way to me.
2: I could see that. For sure. Um, you know, it's funny because uh, um the the place that I've seen that done frequently is in Southern California. And I think that there's a very different culture around pastors, interestingly, in Southern California. And maybe it's because it's the land of Rick Warren and, and the mega church around the corner. Um, but I, uh, but I would agree with you that the best way to get to know people is not as the superstar or the voice of God on high, but as a normal person, right?
1: Yeah. And who wants to try and live up to that standard of being some extra holy person who knows more? That's exhausting.
2: So my mind right now, so when, when Jeff isn't around, I have to play Jeff and it's hard for me, but my mind right now is going to to uh the, the priest in a small small parish, small church, um, or the rector or whoever, and maybe a more maybe a more formal, you know, mainline denomination and which has very different, you know, vibe than a lot of times. I mean Sam, your church is non denominational and um you know, just a different yeah. feel. And thinking about thinking about if if we're saying anything relevant to the life of a normal pastor in America. <laughs> and and if if this is, you know, if this is flying at 10,000 feet and and is a lot of good ideas and a lot of good, you know, what should you do? Um but I want to be also aware of those pastors. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, if you're in that kind of a situation, what what can you do to create a welcoming environment? Because, look, even pastors in those not – e- not even pastors, but pastors in those situations, they love guests too. They love having people stop by their church too. They want to connect with people too and share the love of Jesus Christ with them too. And so uh, I don't want to leave that group out. So do you have anything to say to that segment of maybe the listening population, Sam – uh, folks who are in smaller, maybe more mainline churches and um, who, who who don't have, yeah, a flashy service or anything like that, um, how can they even have a welcoming atmosphere for newcomers? I apologize because that's a hard question. Sure.
1: So no, it's a great question. Uh, one of the things we talk about a lot here, um, a lot of this stuff that people will come for the very first time here for is like cake It's kind of sweet um it's kind of flashy stuff the only way that they will ever stay the only backdoor closing thing you've ever had that's been successful has been making sure that what they hear and these are just simple words from stage uh, from the pulpit or whatever it is uh that actually make a difference in their life so people that are coming to your, your um your church even if you're a bit more traditional or a small church, people or hundred people or whatever it is, um, and, and they're coming and they're visiting there. And actually, to be honest with you, um, you, you probably have more people or you could have more people coming right now because this is what people are craving, especially the millennial generation. They have craved this kind of simple authenticity. Thing. Um, but what I encourage you to do is, is make sure you're sp- – Speaking to them and not, um, what's the best way to say this? In Nehemiah, when they uh, build the wall and then they get together and they read the law, and then everybody starts crying and weeping and they say, don't cry, this is a celebration. And they celebrate because they have read the law and understood what it meant. They had taught them what it meant. When I read that uh, a while back, um, it was a really big deal for me because no matter where your church is at, no matter what you're doing, um, if you can actually make it so that people are understanding what the Bible says and how it actually applies to how they're living and what they're doing, um, then they'll want to come back. That's the thing that keeps them coming back. So what you say from stage is actually what they're there for. They want to hear something that's going to help them that way and understand who Jesus is more. I don't sound selfish, but I think it's incredibly true.
2: Well, I'm going to end on that, Sam, because I don't think there's a better word, uh, than that. And, and I know that our listeners, that's what they're about. They're about introducing people to love Jesus Christ and, and helping people accept that love. And, uh, yeah, I love that story from Nehemiah, right? Um, when when you hear the word the law and understand, and that you know, it causes celebration and and weeping all at the same time. So that's a good word, Sam. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today.
1: You bet, man. Anytime. Thanks for having me,
0: Johnny. It sounds like Sam and his uh, staff have really thought through what it means to to have new people feel welcomed and not be confused by what's going on in the service.
2: Yeah. They, it it seems like they use the right kind of language. And then, you know, he talked at the end about if you, and this kind of ties in with what we said in our introduction, like if you are going to invite people and call people and create a welcoming environment then you better say something that makes a difference in people's lives, right? Like, you better be able to actually tell people why it's important that God said what he said.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah, and already I can feel, for some pastors, I can feel the tension— when they're expected to have a welcoming environment, make sure the property looks good, make sure they've got greeters that are friendly, make sure there's announcements that make sense, make sure that the, that the message is relevant and life-changing and blah, blah, blah. And they're just like, this is overwhelming, you know? And, uh, and, and okay, so I speak from the older pastor end of it, right? And I can hear some older pastors saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm just so over the production, right? I'm so over being worried about this stuff. God's going to call people, they're going to show up in my church, and we're going to figure it out when they get there, and I hope my people are friendly. Probably, a, that, So that's probably an attitude that is understandable, but I think should be resisted.
2: Yeah. Yep. I think you're right.
0: <laughs> I think it should be resisted because we, we do need to think about these things. The That's one of the reasons, that kind of an attitude, honestly, is one of the reasons why some small churches stay as small as they are, and why they're not more influential and impacting in their community than they are. Because it's easy to settle for what everyone in your church will accept, not push the boundaries, not push the envelope at all, and, and we get a little bit comfortable. So I think, you know, hearing hearing this episode, I would like to encourage my pastor friends to think about what just, again, this is simple, but one thing. What is the one thing you can do in your church to create a more inviting environment? And and I like what you, you talked about, Sam, trying to work with the language of the announcements and uh, some of the, just the language that was used during the service uh, so that people yeah. who are new understand that they're not the only new people in the church, that there's a lot of others that are new.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. That's totally huge. So Sam, Sam's doing the right stuff at his church and we never want to add burden to small churches, but we also never want to settle. Do you know what I mean? We never want small churches to say, this is my lot in life and I'm going to settle. We believe in excellent small churches. So I know that some of this stuff can be hard and I pray that you won't see it as a burden, but I pray that, Maybe this could lead to some good questions to drive your small church toward excellence, toward excellence. So, you know,
0: Jeff, I think, thanks for Johnny. I think oh, I think what's in the heart of the pastor and the and the church leadership and the influential people in the church. I think whatever's in their heart is going to come through for sure. We can try. We could try to be friendly. We could try to change things, but changing stuff on the outside, we we know that's not going to work. So, if you work on the inside and you work on praying for people in your community praying for those who get invited uh working on uh, inviting people so that there are some new people in and you know without the gimmicks and without the manipulation stuff uh, but just actually be concerned about the community and think about new people because it's easy to fall into a rut and stop thinking about them because we're so thinking about the people that are already there Either side of that is bad. Looking past the people that are there, always thinking about the people that aren't there yet, or never thinking about the people that aren't there and only being focused on the people in front of you, your "quote unquote" constituents as a small church pastor. So Absolutely. Whatever's in the heart, whatever's in the heart, that's going to come out uh, publicly to our people. So we have to, you know, guard our heart and watch our heart and how we're thinking about the people in our community and the people that walk through the doors on a Sunday morning.
2: Amen. Amen. Well, next week, I think we got Dave Jacobs on the hook, don't we, Jeff? Well,
0: you know, Dave's got a new book, and he's he's wanting to shill this new book that he's, oh, that he's got. You know, <laughs> and, and since we Dave don't Dave does sell us anything, a favor, and this is how we repay <laughs> him. No, actually, this is really funny. This is really funny. Dave does not even know he's going to be the guest for next week yet, Johnny. He doesn't know. That's, that's right. He doesn't know. But but he is such a friend to us that uh, he does have a new book. He doesn't even know we're going to ask him yet. But we, he and I will make it work between today and next week. And I want to get him on the horn, and I want to talk to him about his, his new book because he writes some stuff. Man, his stuff just drips, drips small church. Absolutely. And, and and this book, I think, is going to be really, really helpful, exactly for the types of things we're talking about, generating ideas, generating passion, gener- generating, I think, uh, uh, boots on the ground, real-life ideas for your church. It's, what is it, 100 Great Ideas from Dave's you Head or put, something like that?
2: You can, <laughs> it's like 100 <laughs> ideas... For things you can do right now in your small church. Okay. So super
0: practical, and yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah, so I want to talk to him about that, about that book, and then uh, we'll give uh, y'all a link uh, where you can get that book, and you know, it's always so inexpensive, and I think it'll be, it'll be yeah. worth 10 times to you whatever we end up paying for it. For sure, for sure. Well, Johnny, thank you for joining me tonight. Not being with you, it's different, man. So uh, we're going to get the schedule right, and you and I are going to be sitting down face-to-face and doing a lot more of these rather than the remote stuff.
2: I look forward to it, and I look forward to joining all of our friends next week for another episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. We hope
1: you've been encouraged and inspired by this episode of the 200 Churches podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe at 200churches.com and receive the guy's free PDF download called Our 7 Favorite Ministry Resources. You can count on us to be back next Wednesday with another brand new, shiny episode just for you. Until then, may God bless you as you lead and love the people in your 200 church.
2: Oh, that was great. Thank you. So I'll be like, hey, we're here with Sam. So that's how we'll be good to go. (laughs) So we'll just jump right in and um, we'll just jump into the middle of the conversation. Jeff and I will do a little work around it, probably at 10 o'clock tonight. Sorry, Sam. All my frustrations are bleeding onto you.